You're going to see the interview everyone is going to be talking about. Wagon wheel, what to see? What do I think of her? Yes. I don't think of her. Then we become divas as opposed to just strong women. Ah, oh, coughing during my interview, really? It feels uh, reductive. Hello and welcome to Big Diva Energy, the podcast for and about fabulous people being fucking excellent. I'm Holly Morgan, I'm obsessed with divas, and my husband Tom is also here. Ta-da! And we are joined for part three by our gorgeous friend, Will Jackson! Back by popular demand and several restraining orders. (laughs) We got through it, we got through the traums, we definitely recorded the last episode. (laughs) I am so impressed as well, considering we ran out of material. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in and told us what happened to the Scissor Sisters. Yeah, so, really appreciative. Oh my god, who are really... you? And Jake. Now we have a whole episode to go for. <laughs> Jake, that draft, the advanced draft of your new autobiography, the second volume, it was... Thank you Super so much for sending it, Jake. And thanks for also, Jake, getting in touch about the uh, the shot of you and Will. And now it all makes sense. Now we understand why you look like that. Um, well, unfortunately, legally, we're not able to tell the no, listeners. we can't. What we can't actually happened. It. But we definitely did hear from Jake Shears himself. Oh, yeah. 100%. Welcome to showbiz. Welcome to showbiz. <laughs> Hi, it's me, Jake Shears. Anna, is that you? <laughs> no, I'm Jake Shears. I'm the lead singer of Shears Sisters. <laughs> I love how Welcome to Showbiz has now evolved be almost welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's welcome a- to showbiz. <laughs> I wish I'd said that as my intro. Uh, we could do it again. <laughs> no. Oh. Is this one definitely recording? I just <laughs> so triggered. We could do it again. And Will's like shudder, nah, nah, full body shudder. No. For those listening at home, this has been the seventeenth recording I've done <laughs> these two, and I like they're very lovely. But I <laughs> please let me go. <laughs> It's so nearly funny Christmas. that he thinks it's only 17. <laughs> it is nearly Christmas. Have you started your preps? Started your shopping? Um, I, I'm not on prep at the moment, but I've started writing <laughs> my list to Santa. <laughs> it's been, we've been in lockdown. I'm on like tier two, tier three, tier four. I'm, I'm not going about and seeing people. I'm not on prep. But now's the perfect time to get tested. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's Um, uh what have i done i have done some excellent browsing for some presents for myself mm. on ebay got a few bids on, on some lovely <gasps> tiffany lamps um oh. which i am obsessed with but at the same time i just even if i don't get them it's just the satisfaction that i know that someone's having to pay 30 pounds more than they were prepared exactly to and that's what the christmas spirit's all about absolutely <laughs> good for you i like a tiffany lamp i'm obsessed with tiffany lamps they are you talk- we are I, talking I, about Martin McCutcheon lamps, right? Yeah, like the glass. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, what spurred it recently is I've very recently done a binge of Grey's Anatomy, <gasps> the first early seasons, oh. and there's several like house parties in the oh, lovely yes. house, and they've got this gorgeous Tiffany lamp. I was like, how do I get that exact one? Okay, that's $3,000. <gasps> how do I get a £50 knockoff of eBay? <gasps> yes. Oh I think God. most of my life is spent doing that, watching yeah. TV shows and going, I want that, how can I do it for free? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On a budget. <laughs> so if you're mystified by the opening to this podcast, it's probably because uh, you haven't listened to parts one or two, or maybe you have, <laughs> and we've just gone so far down the rabbit hole that we just can't tell anymore. 
<laughs> but things, if, it's great to have you back. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't, snib on back and listen to part one and part two, where we con- chronicle Jake Shears's rise from uh, being Jason uh, and then being in Scissor Sisters, and now we are joining him again, just on the eve of the difficult second album, Tada. So Tada was released in 2006. And to say that this album was anticipated is like saying Liza's a bit camp. Uh, its reviews were slightly mixed. No howlers, just generally okay. Enemy uh, gave the album a score of 6 out of 10 and said, Scissor Sisters sound under so much pressure to follow up a monster hit that they're not actually having any fun, which is, I'd say, broadly true. Uh, the band weren't getting on particularly well. Nothing major, just, you know, family stuff, really, band stuff. So it does have I Don't Feel Like Dancing, which is obviously an absolute belter, and it really shows the influence of Elton. Welcome to showbiz, John. <laughs> They'd been writing songs with Elton during his Vegas residency, Baby Daddy, Jake and Elton would have the empty stage of Caesar's Palace during the day to jam. This was when it's Jake... Some... <laughs> Sorry, go. Sorry. Please go. <laughs> There's something really cute in the fact that they had this residency at Vegas. Considering, like This is where Jake came out to his parents. <sighs> and there's that kind of... Um, in the same way, there's that kind of fabulosity and also in the most loving way possible trash about Vegas. Yes, exactly. And that's just a aesthetic. I know. Absolutely, yes. From little little Jake looking at the Wizard of Oz diorama to to Jake Shears on stage. You tried to call him wizened. To wizened Jake. Hardly. She's still in great shape. To to Jake as you know Jake Shears of Scissor Sisters jamming with Elton John in the day before the residency at night. I mean, that is peak fabulous. Carry on. <laughs> it was, unfortunately, though, when he was at his lowest. Um, so perhaps something of the sadness, burnout and desperation sort of seeped into the record. Yeah. Personally, he was at his lowest. Yeah, yeah. it's obviously fabulous that they were doing it, but uh, on a personal note, Jake was pretty low at the time. Yeah, there is a... I would say Tadar is the weaker of the four... I mean... It is weaker than it's weaker than the the original. It's not as good as the third. It's the second best known, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say. um, I don't know. For me, I I I can never really say there's a better or worse. I always flip between them. Mm. I'd say out of the albums, it seems to be the least cohesive. Yes, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's got some of their best and well-known songs in there. uh, Compared to like, for example, their last two albums, which are such set pieces, they really are a little genre in themselves. Yes. Yeah, good Whereas point. this one kind of hops about quite a lot and it's less of a... Or is this the one... Is this the one where Animatronic does little voice messages during it? I can't remember. Is yes, that... yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it they write really good songs. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? It's like, even when on, on a record that, that is patchy, it's got, I don't feel like dancing. It's like... <laughs> We can still knock out a, it, a classic. It's a classic second album. Yeah. That's what happens all the time there because th- these are bands that are like quite often, I think, the second album is written on tour or it's written, uh, it's always written with the expectation of the, the first album. Like, and the first album is obviously like, there's a bit, little bit like when, remember when Flight of the Concords like became really famous mm. and they did that first album and like, sorry, the first series and everyone was like, oh God, like the second series. And they, I think it took them a really long time to make the second series and everyone was really worried that it was going to be rubbish, including them. It wasn't in the end, but it wasn't as good. Yeah. But that was because they'd spent 10 years writing and touring all of the songs that were included in the first yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. So to then try and write another series with as many songs in a year 
yeah, or two years or whatever was was as far as they were concerned almost impossible. And it's the same with almost every album when yeah. they do that. Like the Scissor Sisters have been writing and touring for a long time before they made the first album. Yeah. So to then go into Tadar and have to write it within presumably the record company was breathing down their necks to have it yeah. within a year. And there's a big difference between writing songs in your like Williamsburg yeah flat share. And then being like, come on, guys, you've sold more records this year than any other artist in the UK. You've got to come up with And you're writing in hotel rooms in between gigs and in between. Yeah, and he couldn't get home to write quite a lot of the time, could he? You're so right about the time pressure as well, because the the next gap they have to write an album... Nightwork. Yeah, Nightwork, there was four years. Yeah. Um, So they really had some time to go away and do that. Um, but it's it's got some so good and like she's my man and they just oh, don't she's my lose man's great. Yeah. Uh, any of that uh, fabulosity yes. that they have in the first one. There's some real gems in there. But that's because as well, I think that the second album syndrome is based on that. It's the time pressure in which you're under, but it's also yeah. uh, it's also an album that has been created out of a load of people who've become very very good at what they do. Yeah. So like quite often you get some of their best songs on a second album, like but it's not as good as the first album. The first album is just kind of tight and it feels like it's been rehearsed mm. and it's been perfected and those songs have been per- perfected whereas like you might find that say something like I don't feel like dancing flowed out of Jake because at this point he's writing he's touring he's doing yeah. all the stuff that you need to do to be a musician and so every now and then he sits down at a piano and I don't feel like dancing comes out yeah right. and so he ends up with an absolute banger because he's in the music all the time like making work doing work and like creating so he's very very good at that at this point but then the problem with the time pressure is you don't have time to test that. You don't have time to road test it. You don't have time to sit in the sit back in the studio and mm. go, does this work? So you end up, like, it always happens on second albums. Yeah. You end up with a couple of absolute gems because they're really at the height of their powers writing wise, mm. but they're not given the time to kind of just, just tweak everything that yeah. you need to. Yeah, 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 yeah. For some reason, The Killers' second album is coming to mind. I don't know why. Mm, yeah, I think that's that had like one of their best songs ever, which I can't remember now. Um, but, the first album, everyone remembers Hot Fuzz, right? Because it was... Yeah. That was the album that they did. Soul Not a Soldier, that's on the second one, That's the it? first one. Is it? Yeah. yeah. It's a long album, that. <laughs> it's so many singles. Yeah, um, it's about nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Tadar spent nearly a year on the charts here and the sisters became massive headliners. Do you remember this period when they were like, they were opening, they were, they were when they'd done that kind of exhaustive festival run in 2004, they were playing two sets at Glastonbury they did the dance tent and they did the pyramid stage now they're you know they're going to be on the pyramid stage that like they're mm. a big time act but in the states Tadar sold only 181,000 copies that's nothing yeah in a telephone interview with the New York Times Elton John said I do believe the gay thing got in the way Jake has referred to it as a brittle record and his bandmates called it rushed shambolic and muppety which again could probably be traced back to their performance at the Brits yeah or I would say Rust, Shambolic and Muppety would be if I had a dating profile. <laughs> if. <laughs> I mean, what do we think about Elton saying that? The gay thing got in the way? It's an odd comment, isn't it? It's like, I guess it's what we were talking about in episode two, isn't it? That they had to keep... They, he, I think he means that they were being classified as a, as a gay act or an, and mm. that was somehow niche, which mm. it shouldn't have been. Maybe that's what he, was, what he meant. When potentially that's not how they thought about themselves in the first album. Yeah. Because it's interesting, in the first album, I think they were really, especially when they were in America, they were really, uh, Jake talks about in the book, he's really trapped by the genre of electro clash. That's what they're known for. And that seemed like such a fleeting scene and that they had to really push that to 
to get through to England. Yeah. Whereas yeah. here, it's now it's that's the barrier because they are in the mainstream consciousness. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Tada has been somewhat. How do we describe it? How do we say that when we're um, Tada. when we're just talking about it? Do you just do a little Tada? I think so. Do you think that's how he describes it? How does he do it on the audiobook? You've listened. I think he does it like that. He says that's why it's called Tada because it's like all the pressure come on show us what you got what you got oh here you go it's what you've been waiting for Da-da-da. and it's so that really go on oh it's that lovely uh album cover of uh, him standing outside of the oh come on super text <laughs> oh my boyfriend wants to see if i'm okay oh, <laughs> i haven't heard from you for two days you've been doing a podcast all that time <laughs> are they feeding you uh, <laughs> no <laughs> no jackie potatoes <laughs> Hello, Jackie Pays. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast sponsored by Jackie Pays. <laughs> Welcome to Showbiz. <laughs> they let me get a biscuit. I love how he's Elton John's turned into. Is it like um, the guy who plays Alfred in Batman? Um, <laughs> Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> Tangerine. <laughs> Some people just want to watch the world. I've though. never seen Michael Caine and Elton John in the same room at the no, same time. Good it's just the glasses. It's like. <laughs> They both got glasses. <laughs> oh, there we go. We stumbled upon it. Yeah. So, did you answer the question? So, is it ta da? So, Will was going to say something about the cover, the cover art. That's right, the cover. Sorry. The album has this amazing cover art, which really just amplifies that with. I imagine it's Jake. It looked like yeah. it's Jake in front of the shocked people leaving the elevator. And it's just such a lovely, lovely album. Yeah, cover. it's gorgeous. It is. With Hint of Vegas about it, I guess, as well. Yeah. Lots of people in yeah. hotels yeah, and yeah. down in elevators. Good point. So, ta-da! Has been somewhat eclipsed by the triumphant debut and the follow-up 2010's Night Work, which is widely critically respected. Indeed, it's recently been heralded as a as a partially forgotten classic. It represented a concerted effort by the band to upgrade themselves and make the States take them seriously as more than a novelty act who were big over the pond. It was also the first time the band relinquished production duties to Stuart Price, no less, who worked on Madonna's Confessions on a Dance Floor and who he was introduced to by Neil Tennant. So, starry, starry, gay mafia, starry. Isn't... Um, Miss McKellen in this one as well. Doesn't she feature on... Yes, she does. The Invisible Light. The Invisible Light. Ian McKellen does, yes, a very, very intense narration over The Invisible Light about it clubbing. It's amazing. Camp. It's oh. so camp. It's gorgeous. I think it, this record is amazing. It feels like... Um, there are elements of it that feel like it could be like in a Tron movie or kind yes. of like that kind of vibe. Yeah. Oh, it's just, um, and I feel also we talked earlier about the kind of the band's disagreement and obviously Anna really gets let loose on like, let's have a Kiki, which isn't till yeah. uh, the next album, but we have some really amazing examples here in this album where they just like Anna go and they talk about how she she always nails it on the first take and always improvises this dialogue she spits over all of their tracks it's just phenomenal yeah absolutely and it, it feels like it, this one feels the most like a record from a scene for, or, or from, from a life this one for me like yeah. this is like this is straight from the heart of um of gay Williamsburg for me and yeah. Berlin actually it's a very Berlin record as we will explore Thank you. 
So the creative process behind Nightwork was different to ta-da, but still significant and Jake found himself again struggling to come up with material. Indeed, a version of the third album was scrapped. If it wasn't something we could fully get behind and believe in, I think the band was going to be over, Jake said. He took himself off to Berlin, which you can absolutely hear, as you said. In theory, going to Berlin to get down to work doesn't sound like a great idea, I don't think, but um, I guess it worked for Bowie and Lou Reed. Jake said to the New York Times, Club life has really been in my heart. It's just who I am. And I think where I'd gone astray the last few years was losing that from my life. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, because he was performing. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's an edgy record, isn't it? It's a a gay record with songs about anal sex and breeders and crystal meth. Yeah. And and a narration from Syrian. Like, (laughs) it's, it's authentic. And it's amazing because, and it it's amazing, especially now it's having this amazing critical resurgence. Yeah. But at the time it it flopped compared to the first two mm. albums. And it's, it's amazing because it, I don't think, I'm just going through the track list now, but like really there are, uh, Fire With Fire is the only yes. one which is like still in the kind of radio sphere because it's, it's not expensive. It's probably the only song in the album which isn't explicitly about sex. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and they kind of fit into the mainstream before yeah. being this kind of like tame version of uh, making queer music. And here they're like, oh, let's let's dig deep. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it, you're, you're right. It's you're so right. It is the most like Fire with Fire is the most kind of Radio Two playworthy one, isn't it? By by a long way. Mm-hmm. And it I mean, it is edgy and like but echoes of. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, I think, are, are particularly predominant on this record. Yeah, the, the, the sound, um, that kind of, I don't know how how they how did, the sound that they get on um, Two Tribes is you you can hear it on a couple of the tracks, but it does have some fun bits as well. And um, Kylie's got some uncredited BVs. Oh. She's so brilliant. Tell me how how do you feel about Kylie? Who I is- love <laughs> Kylie. I love her so much, and I think. For, for in in the same way she Madonna is I know I mentioned Britney in the first episode yeah. mm. but that was mainly just to try and get justice on the talent show stand. <laughs> um for me Kylie is yes. like I'll always find a way to like work in uh one of her songs into a show I'm doing yeah. or she, I think she's just absolutely phenomenal and I love how this un conventional friendship happened with Jake. Jake admits he kind yeah. of hates pop and then suddenly becomes best friends with Kylie and they yeah. collaborate on all this stuff together. Didn't I, her, him and Baby Daddy write some songs for They him? did. Um, oh, God. Um, Other I Boys Do is one. I yeah. believe yeah. in you. Yeah. I, I really, I think they bring out the best in her for me. I love when they collaborate with Kylie because hand, hand to God, she's not my 80s diva. She's not... Fair. And I do find sometimes when her vocals aren't deployed in the best way, I strug. But I think Jake Shears really gets the breathy quality of her of her vocal, and it's it's just killer. Like I believe in you is an amazing song. Mm. It's so lush and kind of um, dre- the dreamy kind of kitteny quality that that she does so well. Um, they really bring that out in her, and apparently she's I, fucking lovely as well. Yeah, I've heard that. I, I really struggled with this new album, I have to say. Because uh, yeah, I, I think I it was maybe... But then I... I don't know, for me, I didn't... I didn't give... I heard the singles before and then didn't give the album a go. Yeah. But if you haven't... Really give Where Does the DJ Go a, a shot. Because okay. that was my way in. That was my way in. I was right. like, I get it. This is amazing. It's very kind of like 
your disco needs you. Okay, great. And if you're just like, this is what she's aiming for. This is what, okay, this is this album where we're entering that. The Kylie Sphere. Okay, fine. I needed a gateway. That's great. Because I did like the single. I like Magic. I thought I was really, that was good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, start with where does the DJ go? And okay. I think that might. Let's do it. It's got Robin vibes from it. I fucking love Robin. Fucking live for Robin. Ugh, I'd murder for Robin. <laughs> if she um, asked me to. <laughs> I also loved she when she was on RuPaul's Drag Race, she was the most indifferent judge. Yes! Oh my <laughs> god! She could not have been more over it. Uh, oh my god, I bet they could get Kylie now. I, she'd be perfect for the UK. I don't think she's that big in no, US. She's not that big in US. She, no, a night of a thousand Kylies would be an amazing runway. <gasps> I think RuPaul's quite into Kylie, but then he's also—I know she's not English, but he's quite an Anglophile. Yeah, so I can yeah, see yeah. how he'd be mixing. Yeah, he'd yeah. be plugged into that scene. She'd be the perfect like Lady Gaga first episode. Yes. Oh yes. My God. Or when they did that tragic Miley thing where she. Yeah. And then Nikki came, so it was fine. Yes. Yes. Oh. Oh, best judge ever. <laughs> Best judge ever. Yeah. Writing notes. Shut up, Carson. I'm writing notes. <laughs> but as we've said before, this isn't a RuPaul's Drag Race podcast, despite the fact that we did several, <laughs> several episodes of a RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. God knows it could be. About all stars. <laughs> I just want to talk about the cover art for Nightwork. So the cover art is... A, a, I'm, I'm doing it with my hands. I'm doing a cupped male buttock. Uh, the buttock is Peter Reed, who is a ballet dancer. And the pa- it was taken by Robert Maplethorpe. So both Reed and Maplethorpe died of complications from AIDS. So it's it's a very important picture. And it's it caused a real stir, this picture. Um, have you read Just Kids, Will? Have you ever read No, that? I haven't. Tell me everything. Oh, my God. It's so good. So Patty Rob- Smith's book. It's Patty Smith's book about her relationship with Robert Maplethorpe, who it's and it's just the most, if you haven't read it, anybody, it's the most powerful, evocative statement, I would say, like, it, it's she writes beautifully and it's just this beautiful um elegy to being a young person in new york mm. and it's amazing and it's a real testament to his genius and that's what i really love about jake and scissor sisters is the kind of the multi-textural way in which they're a new york band that they've they've put this maple fort picture on the cover and it has so many like onion layers of significance because of who it was and who took the photo so yeah they are, and they were that band who were forming their identity, forming who they were as artists and as a collective in the aftermath of 9-11. So you've yes. got this queer American group who are trying to create joy and celebration, but also respect and acknowledgement of the past post the absolute peak of AIDS, which we were still feeling in the noughties, really. Yeah. And uh, also just 9-11, which... It was they were they were in New York when that was happening. Yeah. It's just it's absolutely mind blowing. And I think that's you really get that sense in all of their work. This is we are making joy. We are creating yeah. celebration. And I think this is the uh, this album is why I love it so much. It has that joy and it has that acknowledgement of history and yeah. the past and uh, the celebration of the dirty and the filth and the amazingness yes. that they came from. Yeah, I oh, couldn't. I oh, love that you put that so well. Yeah, um, of the cover art. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> All right, Tom obviously wasn't impressed. <laughs> no, I loved it. Sorry, I got. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to you. I was rapped. No. <laughs> I was rapped, and I got just. I suddenly found myself supposed to do something, <laughs> but all I was doing was listening to you. 
Uh, so the cover art, Jake said, nobody in my band wanted that album cover. The label didn't want the album cover. Management didn't want the album cover. It was too stark, too gay, and too niche. Elton John said, <laughs> welcome to showbiz. <laughs> No, he didn't. He said, I don't think they did themselves any favours with it. Come on, mate. <laughs> Come Fucking on. hell, Reg. <laughs> what? I think he means commercially. I think he... Because, like, some people, when they when they sold it, had, like, put little... What do you, I don't know, what do you call them? Decent, like, stickers over oh, it. Oh, explicit. Like, yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Like they stick it, it over little, it. Yeah, a little cover for it. Like a little house that it sat in. There are so many pictures of women's asses on the front of records. Right? Well, okay, so when asked about the cover... Um, Del Marquise, the guitarist bass player, stated that the way someone reacts to it will tell you a lot about that person. People could view it with reactionary homophobia or they could view it as camp or high art or something beautiful. It reminds me of the back of Sticky Fingers, actually. Yes. It's a really classic looking album cover. And he added that it was controversial because people still react in a really strange way to the sexualisation of the male form. We're much more comfortable with the sexualisation of the female form. The cover's been blown up on billboards all over town and it's really exciting for me to be driving through religiously conservative neighbourhoods and seeing this giant, gorgeous, clenched man's ass. The Scissor Sisters embraced that photo and they made it the tour poster. Good. Yes, Dale. Everything, everything he said there is correct. Yep. Everything. Absolutely so, correct. It's, it's so true about just this this album, and I know we said it before, but it's just that they knew they were taking a risk and commercially it was their biggest flop. Yeah. But it, out of the four, it's the one that has just by far stood the test of time. 100%. Which absolutely. is what you should be looking for, really, anymore. Yeah. Because it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore, does it? Like, the, in terms of commercial music, like it's so all over the place these days. But there's so many different ways to make money from music. But but making like, it seems that a lot more artists now are getting really involved in just making better art, like making stuff that they know can come back from the dead in a way, or can yeah. can survive a, a commercial drubbing. Yeah. To basically become. Yeah, it's just all stuff like, you know, repeat plays from radios mm-hmm. or it's uh, repeat purchases from iTunes or Spotify plays or, or anything, or like being used in TV programs that bring them back and stuff like that, like or the the re- reproduction of vinyl that we have now. Like mm-hmm. there's so many different ways now for an album to come back from the dead. And it's just it's so important that it does because I think it gives a lot of artists yeah. that would otherwise let them like take uh, not take risks that they would otherwise have taken mm-hmm. because they're worried about it not being commercially viable. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially since then, are now just going, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to make what I want to make. Yeah, and you know, if I know it's good, then someone will eventually. Yes. And also, I also want to point out earlier, I did not want to say it because of the the sad thing about the fact that both those people died of AIDS, but do you also think there was an element where Jake believed that some people would think it might be his ass? Yes, probably. 100%. Because that's what I thought when I looked at it. It's a great ass. I went, that is, is that Jake Shear's ass? Because that is an amazing ass. Yeah. <laughs> he, he would, anyone would be very lucky to have that ass. So true. And it's before this it era again. of like, before Miley went wild. Yeah. And in this kind of place where shocking didn't work yes and so even though i think for them releasing it it wasn't necessarily as a tactic to shock which some artists have used yeah yeah like five years later after or even two years later after this um but this was very much like a for them it was the art it wasn't in the yeah shock because actually it's i mean you don't even it's more trousers and because it's the monotone thing you barely Hmm. it's not that I mean, we've all seen worse things on the internet. We? <laughs> we have. Haven't we? <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's not as sexually explicit as, you know, we've got a Rolling Stones tour poster in our bedroom that is 
like it's an uh, it's, it's, it's a yeah it's a naked woman's torso and that went out in 1973 on on the side of billboards i imagine and yeah, on, no one had a problem then no, well yeah. they probably did have a problem then but just not in the same way yeah exactly it's because it's because it's associated with with homosexuality that's what it is isn't it yeah to me this was such like a uh, a real album in terms of me coming to terms with myself and my sexuality was it? I know this is yeah and i think this was for when speaking to a few other uh queer pals definitely i think really? it's uh, it's a it can be a real turning stone of not just like figuring out who you are but just celebrating who you are yeah. and mm-hmm. oh this is amazing this is fantastic and people are able to articulate it and make it wonderful yes yeah. Yeah, I, that's so interesting. It's so important. I think it is. It's been really reevaluated, isn't it, and seen as, as a very important record. And it could be the kind of record that does feel like a welcome home, <laughs> even if it, you don't. Yeah. If you're not a teenager when it comes out, or a young person when it comes out, or someone in, in need of this record, um, you don't have to be contemporaneous with its result, with its release to benefit from it because it has that classic. It's got aura of classic to it. Which in going circling back round is what the front image, the, the cover image does. It's a very yeah. classic picture, like um Del Marcus said. Like yeah. it is it's a classic album cover in the sense, but it can it almost because it's black and white, I guess, and because it's a beautiful artistic picture as well, like it can sort of circle back round to anyone that comes across it in a record shop in yeah. twenty years. Like some kid can still be flicking through that and be like, What the hell is this? They can yeah. pick it up, put it on a record and go, Oh, it's it's not even whatever the Rolling Stones will be by that point, 70 years old. Yeah. It's four, It's 20 years old. Like, yeah. But this is like, speaking to me now, like where mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. in terms of where I am. Yeah. It's uh, it's amazing. And also like, we keep talking about like the commercialization, like Elton saying, oh, I think they shot themselves in the foot or whatever. It's like, I honestly think at this point, the scissors probably didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, obviously everyone does when they've got a career to like keep up, but like they, they must had- have made so much fucking money off those first two albums. They were. They had passed that point of being the band of the world. At that point, they they were that that for, and it's so rare now, especially in this kind of age of Spotify and, I mean, right now with touring music and live music being nowhere where it was. I mean, obviously eight months ago, but also two years ago or five years ago, it's really diminishing and becoming this uh, place where it's far less organic for a group I think much more likely for an individual but for a group to come together organically and really make a name for themselves Mm. and really create something special of their own and I think in a way they were that last they were one of the last kind of bands to do that I totally agree and it's interesting that their rise to stardom and kind of their their, not rise and fall so to speak but like the sort of the period in which they were that band that international band in which they had such an impact and were so famous I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to like overstate it, but like the Beatles were the same thing. Like mm. the Beatles came and went in the space of about eight years. Mm, mm. Right. And they just took it. I'm not saying this is the same thing in terms of like the astronomic success of the Beatles or probably even the lasting impact of the music. We're saying they're better than the Beatles. Yes. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's just like these things come in small bursts. Like you just go, well, to be, we're now so familiar with like the Rolling Stones and people like that being so heritage that you kind of go, like even people like Dolly and Cher and stuff, you go there, the longevity of them is what gives them their credibility. Yeah. Whereas there's actually like, you look at someone like the Scissors or the Beatles or someone like that, like what they did was encapsulated in such a short period of time. Yeah. That you kind of go like, that's sometimes what has to happen. Like yeah. there's just an electric moment where people need that thing to happen. Yeah. And it does. And then it's gone. Yeah. 
Well, that's not to say that it is. We've got one more album. No, yet. no, I wasn't saying up until yeah. this, but I was saying up until the time when they, yeah. And also, um, before this album, uh, we, we've not chatted about it before, so sorry for going back in time. They, the first two albums came out, and then within a couple of years, gay marriage was legal in the UK. Mm, yes. And I'm not saying they were solely responsible for that yes but, uh, it, <laughs> they, instrumental I tell you, i'd rather thank them than david cameron so if that's what we need to do i thank jake shears for gay marriage <laughs> it's, it's such a pivotal moment and i think yeah. it really reflects that actually this the way the uk embraced them at that time showed as a society the direction we were heading such in. a yes. good point yes yes again like a head- marker or something of uh whatever you call it on like a road like a sort of like yeah. those, remember we used to like a millstone, no, not a millstone. Like a this London one London mile. one mile sort yeah. of thing. It's, yeah, it's like a little bit like that. It's because we reached as a, as a British society, we peaked in 2012. We up to the last time we were nice. We were, was all heading up to this. We legalized gay marriage. We did the Olympics. We did the Olympics, and then we fucked it ever since, culminating in Little Mix the Search. <laughs> Still not over it. <laughs> Justice for Nostalgia. Wow. Nostalgia for <laughs> Christmas number one. We're yes. nearly there, guys. It's only two days away. Let's do it, yes. <laughs> Wait, spoiler alert. Uh, not spoiler alert. Disclosure, listener. It's not Christmas when we're recording this. So if Nostalgia have come out of the gates with an absolute banger. Come, yeah, good I'm for glad, them. want to see it. Glad to hear it. <laughs> glad to hear it. <laughs> Pleased to hear it. So uh, as you can probably tell from our tone shifting. Oh, let's take a break, actually. Let's have a wee wee. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I was so shocked and thrown by the fact when we first sat down for our first recording, you didn't play the music out loud. <laughs> that makes and sense. I was so ready to lip sync along to her. You're going to see the interview. Everyone's going to. Ah! We there's, can play it for you. There's if definitely you want. room for you to do that. If we ever do a live show, could you please open it doing that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the world's fastest, like, five wig changes. <laughs> You're going to see the interview everyone's want to see. Remember real one music. And then um, I'll just leave. Don't have me on the panel. I'll have someone else that day. But I, <laughs> just, Who the fuck was that? <laughs> he lip-synced twice to the to the intro and then left. And then I come back for the breaks just to do a little crab walk during that. <laughs> <laughs> So that seems like a reasonable place to start moving into the final phase of the band. Aww. So after, t- yeah, I know. After ten years together, they released their final album, Magic Hour, in 2012. It's another strong record, notably more commercial than the last one, with contributions from Pharrell and pre-cancellation Azalea Banks. It also has the monolith that is "Let's Have a Kiki." Will, <laughs> what does that song mean to you? Everything. <laughs> Good. Which so bit the, specifically? Okay. <laughs> I believe it is a hate crime. <laughs> if you once you hear the "What's up?" it's pickles. Leave a message. <laughs> Beep. That is an ample eight seconds. You get up on your feet if you can, and just get ready to work it. Just prepare. Um, it's I. It's just such a call to arms and. It, a, a night out is just not complete without it. Um, I mean... Do you know the dance routine? Um, I have my own, which is all right. <laughs> um, I think it's slightly been ruined for me. I've seen um, 
a few too many lovely, lovely drag performers butcher it. Yes. So I... <laughs> Good, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but for me, it's all in the... I, I love the the song so much. And um, should we dissect a couple of very prolific performances? Let's go for it. Come on. Let's let's start high. Bring let's us the shopping board. Well, let's start with the video because that is a one-take performance. Yes. yes. And you see them at the end sort of like all like applauding and... Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, it's superb. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a mini OK Go moment, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah, very yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really gorgeous and really like it kind of... Although you can tell, like they wouldn't be, they wouldn't live there at all at this point. No, it kind of goes back to their New York loft roots. Very yes. much, it? yeah. It's a real, it's a great center stage for Anna as well. Yeah. By this point, it's and and in the book, Jake talks about this so much, being like, oh, if in hindsight I should have looked Anna more into the songwriting, even though she was asking me all the time to. Oh. Um, and then it's by you know night work and. Uh, Magic Hour, which aren't included in the book. She's there. She is yeah. in the DNA of the songs. And just, I think there, there could have been a bit of confusion or a perception that she was the backing singer to Jake yeah. in, the, in, in the earlier albums, where it is so like, in the same way the guitar is that she is an instrument in this band and she yes. is just so phenomenal. Ugh. She also demonstrates her extraordinary power to know which side of her face is best or like how to pres- how to serve face yeah in the video like there's a part of the dance routine when she and then she'll just turn oh, it's just before a kiki is a party <laughs> and she sort of like turns to the side does the whole thing like out of one side of her out of oh. one eye towards the camera and it's just like you're just like that woman knows how to direct herself towards the camera yeah. and it's just like you can't stop watching her it's unbelievably good exactly and i know like you know obviously they they're referencing something from a long time ago they're, they're referencing a long time Paris, before that song was Paris it? is yeah. burning but like for people who now would just be like yeah drag drag, <laughs> drag goblins just drag like, children yeah just regurgitate stuff from recalls drag, drag race like this <laughs> this woman knew her shit <laughs> And she was there. And again, it's part of this thing of uh, queer culture being created not solely by white gay men. It's yeah. it's referencing that, and it's also being led by this cisgendered woman powerhouse. Like, yes. yeah, she's she is just as much as part of this community as the Blakes in this band. She's Super. just so incredible. Now, tell us your high, and then. <laughs> Let's talk about Strictly Come Dancing. Mm-hmm. Is it worth us just quickly watching it to recap it? This performance for me just is uh, the epitome of combining the mainstreamness yes. of the first album and the second album and the unapologetic queerness of the third one. Yes. And combining it. And you have this song which, you know, it's not I Don't Feel Like Dancing. You're not necessarily going to have Nana pointing on uh fingers to this but yeah. this is someone will be st- <laughs> someone will be and it's gonna be it's gonna be in there it, it breaks into the mainstream uh in such a beautiful way and is for many people i think that when they now look back at the scissor sisters this is their routine yes. and for many people their reason to the scissor sisters was also the worst version of this performance of this song which was <sighs> We have to mention it, don't we? We have to mention it. We have to. The Glee Turkey Lucky Time. No, no. We won't be watching that. No, no, we're not going to sully our eyes. No one should ever watch that. If we're like, you know, if if that performance is exactly as you say, it's that it's that perfect 
sweet spot where it's mainstream with in an in a an open invitation a welcome to showbiz to the mainstream <laughs> into their world yes they're like um uh, the B-52s in that performance as well, I think. Yes, really. It's got Love Shack energy, hasn't it? Animatronic is, 100%. as we were saying when we were watching it, like, it's her, it's her, it's almost her band for that performance. Yeah. And she's flawless. Now... My favourite thing about that one as well is that they, watching it live, which I never got to see, sadly, but the, is, is, because obviously a lot of them are, like, so they've um, isolated the vocals on several different things, so it almost sounds like they're, they're using audio clips to like make the chorus in the actual recorded version yeah. when you see it live I love the way that it's Jake and Anna doing the vocals together yeah. and that like he just has these and like the way that they I don't know why I get such a kick out of it but I love watching the way that they trade off the vocals yeah. and that like his parts are so it's almost like when you watch something like I always go back to the stupid but like something like The Music Man or something like that where they mm. have those really intricate pieces of musical theatre when you just like your one job is to like pipe up on the offbeat with like in two or patter. three different words yes. in a patter. But the fact that they should nail it every time, like he never like stumbles over it. He just has like three words that he has to say yeah. in a very strange rhythmic order. And then he just it's has so... to tune in and it just oh. creates such a beautiful yeah. like um, soundscape, like yeah. the way that they sound together. Like when it's just like, do, 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 do. And they, they'll, and turn and work. Like yeah. it's so good. I oh. love it it's so much. It's so anarchic and slick at the same yes. time and they yes. make it look easy and you're so right it almost sounds like perfectly put together that i could totally buy after watching that that the recording was a live take yeah oh 100 yes. yeah definitely in contrast <laughs> deep breaths deep breaths happy <sighs> thoughts I can't believe okay. this is coming up on this podcast. I, always, I, mean... I promised that it would never come up on this podcast. <laughs> so let's put in into the melting pot. Mm. Leah Michelle. No. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker. No. And the song Turkey Lucky Time, which <laughs> I had never really come into contact with till this moment of time. Um, and a New York loft apartment. And you can tell this, they're like, oh, we're doing a look in Thanksgiving yeah. in a New York loft apartment in Glee. This is the time to put this song in. It's so cynical. Gl- I hate it. <laughs> I can't get through the first 20 seconds. Every oh. now and again, I'm like, it's not, it's not that bad. It it's got, so the, the Glee Turkey Lurkey time mashup of Let's Have a Kiki isn't going to hurt you at night. <laughs> then you watch 20 seconds of it and you realise it will. It will hurt you. <laughs> like arriving on set for the first day and being confronted by Leah Michelle, it will hurt you. Yeah. It means you harm. It will shit in your wig. <laughs> yeah. I really hope this is this is this is, this is, this is <laughs> I hope they got a, sh- uh, a shit ton of coin from that. Oh, me yes. too. I hope they got a new house each. It's the only yeah. way it's worthwhile. Yeah. Oh. The only way they could have let it happen. It's just shocking. It's then, hateful. <laughs> the thing is, though, it's interesting. I think I also know. I was talking to other people about doing this. Uh, doing these podcasts on Jake and the sisters. Um, but again, what was your entry to them? And for a lot of people, it was, for younger people, it's watching Glee and seeing that and being like, where does this come from? Oh, where like, where oh, this has is this so monstrosity happened? <laughs> Can you imagine though, what a lovely surprise for you if your entry is the Glee version of Let's Have a Kiki, you'd be like... It's only up from it's there. It's only up from <laughs> there, exactly. The Strictly as well, yeah. for lots of people. Because you're so many families every Saturday night. That's what they do. Yeah, and they watch that at home. And uh, I think 
what it was wonderful for is showing queer celebration in a really fun, safe way. So if anyone was like, who are these freaks talking about bums and (laughs) (laughs) clubs? They're going to come for my kids at night. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no, I want to be animatronic. They must be fine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're so, that's so true. I like the number of like little boys that might have watched that on a Saturday night and seen Jake dancing like that and being and dressed like he is like imagine the impact that would have had on some kid yeah. that lives in a very conservative household yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and just going like oh that's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life yeah exactly <laughs> like it's just amazing yeah. unlike the Glee one well We've 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 addressed the glee the glee. Let's have a kiki, and we can now try to move on. Well, <laughs> several years later, well, as the Scissor Sisters tried, exactly. the, as Scissor Sister tried, indeed, to move on from Let's Have a Kiki. So Jake said, "I didn't know what the fuck to say after that song. Quite honestly, he told Gay Cities when that song came out and did what it did. I was just like, well, there it is. I guess we did it." Elaborating on Kiki, she has thought, "We've been recording and touring for ten years, and I felt like it was time." This wasn't what anybody in the band had planned to do, so I thought it would be fun to end on a high note. So basically, the 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 absolute the, the I'm trying to think of a word for big, <laughs> phenomenal, the big majesty, the, the majesty exactly yeah. of of that success of that single kind of broke up the band because it was like, well, we shit, did we did it. <laughs> well, I think it's also because it's come full circle, right? Like it's yeah. it's almost like a it's a tribute to where they came from. So yeah. to get to that point, and I love it when he says. I, we, we just thought, oh, well, we did it. Like, yeah. it's it's almost like they'd spent the entire four album sequence of being Scissor Sisters yeah. trying to trying to make that song and yeah. then eventually made it. And we're like, oh, cool. That's oh, what I was looking it. for. Oh, great. Well done. Us. <laughs> I was trying to make the perfect song. I did it. Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it is. Amazing. And it's interesting because these, this, the, the four, and obviously they had drummers and people coming in and out of it. But the, the core four... Obviously, um, Baby Daddy always wanted to be a songwriter and he went on to do that, but none of them necessarily wanted to be a touring band. Mm. Yeah. There was never the goal going into it. Jake wanted to be, obviously, a, an artist, but he was primarily a writer yeah. before. And Animatronic was this host of the most, and they came together for all of this. Yes. And they're like, well, we've done that. And it's it's so cute in a way, this unexpected... That just came it from is, it. Just yeah. like being in a bottle. So much less traumatic than the like explosions that you see from other bands where they just yeah. can't work with each other anymore or something. This is mm. more like a they've all worked to attain a certain thing and they've done it, they've got to the top of the mountain together, and now they just get to enjoy the view. Yeah. One hundred percent. Not that they have actually even broken up. It's no, a hiatus. That's true. Yeah, it's an indefinite hiatus, albeit broken only by Swirk, a charity single to honour the one year remembrance of the pulse shooting in Orlando. Uh, speaking of a possible reunion, Jake told Enemy as long as the Botox is still looking good. But it's sort of up to everyone else. I love what we built and the musical vocabulary we created, and I want to carry on that legacy with the music I'm making now. Lovely. I haven't heard so Was it good? It's great. I love it, and it's a real grower. And the first time you'll hear it, you'll be like, this is the stupidest song. <laughs> what does it sound like and, in terms of the canon? Um... I'd say more like the early stuff, really. I'd say I'd say the early stuff of the quality of the later stuff. Yeah. Um. And but with Anna having as much fun as Kiki, and I think the initial reaction to it is could be like it's a it's a low budget recreation of um Kiki in that it's like a, we're getting ready for a club and this is a dance move you're doing, but it also feels a bit of a kind of 
because it's this instructional song like this is how you do this dance move called the twerk you put one of your roller skates on do the other one put one leg up like a flamingo do the other like it's so stupid and fun but the beat behind it is so fun but behind it it's got this driving bass drum behind it and you can feel the anger and the sadness Mm. of the results of the pulse shooting mm. in it i really I, I i don't think i'm over reading it when like there is there is it is such a um there's such a weight to it um oh mm. under the fabulosity and the irreverence of yeah. this like we're having a night out this is such a uh, a stupid dance and it's got all these funny little voices a bit like kiki like oh god blah, blah, blah. you know those yeah. little uh almost like cartoony voices you hear in the background um, but there is such a sort of march behind it, which yeah. it's I I adore, and it was such a it did exactly what it what they I think it, they really achieved what they wanted to do with it. It was so so wonderful. Yeah, I don't think you're overreading it at all. I think that's, that's exactly right, and it's really powerful. That's lovely. Yeah, and it does. You know, also Baby Daddy is collaborating with Jake still on his current stuff. So I think I think they will. I think they will get back together. I think they will do more in the future. And. Um, but in the immediate post sister sisters, <laughs> in the immediate post sister sisters aftermath, uh, Jake and his partner Chris moved to Los Feliz in LA so that Chris could pursue his work, notably directing documentaries about Banksy and Gaga. Wait, he did five foot. I don't know if he must have done five foot three. That's the only Gaga Sorry. documentary, isn't it? I love that doc, the five foot. Oh, I, it's it's. <laughs> I find it difficult to watch it. I need to rewatch. But that's it why I love it. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> I think it's like you've got to view it as like this is a diva in both the best and worst sense of that word. Yes. And it's pure BDE from She's taking herself unbelievably seriously. Unbelievably she? seriously. She And it has that classic trope which ends all pop star documentaries, whether it's uh, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Trixie Mattel, of it ending with her being raised up yes. at the end, oh, practically crying. I love that ending. <laughs> Oh. They're back, and you can hear the crowd getting louder and louder, and they're like, "Ga, ga, ga, ga," that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take I take documentaries and also all biopics. Yes. Where they have to do like a comeback gig at the yeah. end or something like that. Oh, we should we should watch it actually. You'd love it. Great. Um, of this period, uh, Jake told the New York Times that first year in LA, I was just lost, wanting to work because I'm happiest when I'm working, but without the band, I don't know what to do. And sadly, Jake and Chris split up, but they remain extremely close. Uh, That doesn't mean to say that the breakup wasn't brutal. Jake suffered nightmares for years afterwards. However, as so often is the way, drama stepped into the breach, and Jake was asked to perform in a revival of the seminal play, Bent. Jake played Greta, a club proprietor, in this seminal play about Nazi persecution of homosexuality. Yeah. Um, this wasn't Jake's first theatrical venture. He and bandmate John Garden had scored a musical production of Armistad Morpin's beloved series, Tales of the City, in 2011. It was a big spenny old do this, and I found a bit on YouTube. It's really good. Have you listened to it? I can't find it. Please do send me the links, yeah. because I love um, the... I love the books yeah, so much yeah. and they are for those of you listening who have not interacted with it and I think for a lot of people they will have first heard about it from the new Netflix series which is shit the new the new Netflix series is a spin-off from the books and the OG series yeah and this is a, a it was originally a serial that came out in the San Francisco Chronicle 
uh, which uh, Armistead Melpin would write little things about these characters in San Francisco. I think first came out in the 70s or mm. 80s, seminal. Uh, and when it was adapted for, for television, first time you saw two naked bed, men in bed together on HBO in a very unshocking, very naturalistic way. They're having yeah. an argument about someone getting out of bed and brushing their teeth and then coming back in and saying, oh, that's cheating. Like really nice, calm uh, stuff. And the books are just, they could have been written in the last five years. Yeah. They're, they've, uh, they're, they are a bit soapy yeah. and a few kind of like... Um, uh, weird uh, silly storylines in them um, but the the characters are just absolutely wonderful yeah exactly and yeah as you say there are a couple of like shockers and twists and things but like yeah it's 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 absolutely kind of key reading isn't it um, it's amazing that they got the chance to do it um, and it, yeah so they didn't make a Broadway cast recording so it never got to Broadway they did it in San Francisco and it seems to have been on the whole well received but not brilliantly yeah. received it, it seemed to be fine it was that's the thing it was just fine oh. the new york times said overall the score is more efficient than memorable um and that's essentially a problem with the musical as whole although they did it obviously came out the same year as um uh, stop spider-man turn off the dark so it gets a favorable comparison in comparison with bono's efforts <laughs> And the edge. And the edge, sorry. Um, but yeah, I'll send you the link because actually there's a beautiful song in it um, about a, as a boy coming out to his mother. And it, it's, um, is it the mouse's letter? Yeah, and it's it's stunning. And it should be, it'd be a gr- it should be a staple. It should be a, what do you call it? When the song is like a... Like an audition song. Yeah, kind of. yeah exactly. Oh, it's, it's really great. And it's got the, the guy performing it, I recognise from other bits of MT. He, I think he was in Smash. Um, yeah, I'll send you. It's really good. I'll put in the show notes, everybody. It's really good. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, and one final uh, link to Tales of the City and uh, Miss McKellen. Um, in the TV adaptation, because it's all about San Francisco and the lives of the queer community in it, um, Ian McKellen, the, the, the cast of the OG TV shows, and then you've got Laura Linney. Yes. And like Ian McKellen plays elderly gay number seven in all these <laughs> dinner party scenes. And if if you just reread the first three books and then watch the two seasons on 4D, it is worth it purely just for Ian McKellen's <laughs> portrayal as elderly gay number seven oh in the rich white gay dinner party scenes. <laughs> He's contractually obliged to appear in all queer content <laughs> in some form. It's true. So Jake himself finally made it to Broadway with a long, well-received run in Kinky Boots, which was an invigorating challenge he grasped by the horns. He isn't done with the theatre, however, he is collaborating with... Welcome to Showbiz! (laughs) That's right, Reg Dwight, on a musical about the life of the scandalous televangelist Tammy Faye Baker. I cannot wait for that. Oh my God, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so It's going to be so so fucking good. (laughs) Can you imagine? Also, I have never seen Billy. But apparently the music is fantastic. Yeah. He's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's, Which I makes mean, it sound like I don't like Elton John. I fucking live for Elton John. <laughs> like, I wasn't surprised that Elton John had done a good thing. I was just surprised because it's Billy and it's quite, yeah. Populist. Yeah. Yes. But apparently the music's fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, uh, the experience of writing the memoir, Boys Keep Swinging, which we've all 
referenced heavily over the last three episodes and making his music again fully brought Jake back to himself. The debut solo album Jake Shears held by Enemy as one of the year's most welcome and infectious comeback albums was released in 2018 with lead single Creep City and Big Bushy Mustache <laughs> as standout bangers. Uh, he ended his solo tour with a concert in New Orleans the same weekend he was celebrity grand marshal at the city's gay pride parade. Yes. That is the dream. <laughs> I can't think of anything I'd like to do more than go to New Orleans for gay pride. <laughs> As Miss Attitude, I tried to include it in my tour. <laughs> Unfortunately, I did have to go to the Aldi Tottenham instead. <laughs> That's so stingy of them. I can't believe they wouldn't spring for you to go to New Orleans Pride. <laughs> I know. Especially was as I wasn't contracted or paid or and asked repeatedly not to be affiliated with <laughs> And they kept telling me it wasn't a real title. They kept saying that Sash needs to be set on fire by order of the law. <laughs> Where did you get that scepter from? <laughs> Is it chocolate? <laughs> Is it just a pipe? It's <laughs> <laughs> the broom handle. Miss Attitude with the lead piping. <laughs> yeah, in the drawing room. Murdering you. Um, I Slaying the opposition. Have you listened to the Jake Shears album? Yes, I really like it. I, it's... It's a really bold move for your first kind of solo thing to purely be a breakup album, right? Yes, one hundred percent. It is such a it is such a breakup. Like I have moved, I've run away, I've packed my bags, I'm running away to New Orleans. Exactly, <laughs> I'm starting my life here. It's so, and the cover art again. It's a great cover. It's got like. The, the typography reminds me of like tapestry or something. So it's, again, it's like it's a it's a seventies record essentially. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and he look, but he looks like a kind of New Orleans writer or something. He's got that kind of like loose New Orleans vibe the about Tennessee him. Tennessee Williams. Yeah, exactly. It's like okay, yeah, you found your spiritual home. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it kind of goes back a bit to the kind of night work album in yes. some of the later songs. Yeah. It's very, um, I think Good Friends is my favourite. Shout out to Good Friends. Oh, favorite, favorite song on that I album. love it's it. It's really nice. Though. I love Creep City, I've got to say. It's really good. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really, and it's a, it's a good album. And yeah. it's, it's, it's exciting seeing what he does. Uh, yeah. yeah by himself definitely and it's got a very again like latter period Bowie feel to it as well hasn't it and got a new single coming out soon I think. yes it's Meltdown out came yeah out great. it's great but Jake uh, managed to celebrate the newfound sense of self that he had with some pretty eclectic choices <laughs> he appeared <laughs> on the utterly insane Masked Singer which Holly is crazy about as so spoiler much. alert the unicorn <laughs> Kelly Osborne realised it was him when he said that her dad had seen him naked at Elton John's bachelor party. Welcome to Shelby's! Doing the windmill. It's true, he did a striptease. He also appeared in an episode of Neighbours alongside Courtney Act. Set at Sydney's Mardi Gras. What a set of choices. Is that all in one year as well? If I did one of those I mean, things in my entire life, I would consider it successful. We all do tricky things after a breakup. Some of us dye our hair, some of us go on the Mars Singer. <laughs> the Mars Singer is so True. bad. Yeah. We go through no, we the do. songs as well he chooses to do on the Mars Singer. Oh I've yes, can here. we? Yeah, what did he do? Okay, this isn't the right order, but I'm just, I've got it up here. So Juice by Lizzo. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Babushka by Kate Bush. I remember that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, Girls and Boys by Blair. <laughs> um, and I think there, there might be another one. Oh, my God. Oh, oh uh, Sharp Dressed Man by ZZ Top. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What a collection! <laughs> Imagine it's... if you went into a karaoke bar and you did those four songs. <laughs> People are... <laughs> Wearing a unicorn's head. They throw you out. <laughs> and apparently, <sighs> I was listening to an interview he did about it. Apparently, he was they were re- he was really debating whether or not he should do a scissors. <laughs> <laughs> sure. sure. I can do Kiki better than Anna. Watch. <laughs> oh, he would have done it. That would have well. been, been the one. Oh my god. Also, like I love him, but like his oh. his sort of normal singing voice is not like. You wouldn't pick it out of a lineup immediately. If, yeah. Did he do his falsetto quite a bit? Yeah, because that's, that's the thing that think... I would recognise. Yeah, it's it's tricky because in the the numbers he did well in were like he did like his version of Juice is quite is is decent because he's using the falsetto there. Yeah. Yes. Whereas he falls down in like Girls and Boys because it's all the spoken stuff. Yeah. And then there's a little bit of falsetto he uses, but like it's yeah. not his because that is the that's the sound, isn't it? His yeah. voice that you kind of. Not saying that he doesn't have a lovely voice. It's just yeah, that if you yeah, if yeah. someone like pitches you a voice and you have to work out who it is, I'd need he's, like more to go on than his normal sort of. He's in that wonderful camp of singers like um, Mika and mm, Freddie Mercury who yes. use that falsetto yeah. really well. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, oh, it must be. To Mika? I know Mika. That was a great. Huge in Europe. Really. I looked this up. <laughs> I was. Good for them. He's still going and he's doing wonderfully. But oh, just, brilliant! Like, in in the same way, like. USA are like who's Jake Shears? We're like who's Mika? And like France, like oh Mika. Maybe. Oh my god! Like, I got sent a Mika EP that was before the album release, before the single came oh. out, uh, to review for the student newspaper when I was at university. There you go. Yeah, so I was an early adopter to the Mika train. I could, I could, early I think, I could really do with a Mika jukebox musical. Yeah. <laughs> Pitch it. Pitch get it. it. Get it made. <laughs> This is the content we Hello, sorry, is that Rufus? Hi. <laughs> When's the Olivier free? Okay, cancel the panto. Why are you ringing Rufus Hound? <laughs> These, this is the content we deserve. In a post-Panny D landscape, I need to see a Mika jukebox musical. I need to see... Actually, fuck it, don't wait until the end of the Panny D. You can do Mars Sing and Nats, the most COVID-secure programme they could make in light entertainment. Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure it's very expensive. Full head mask. They're all in masks. Just Lots put of the designers are out of work too. right now. It's the least we could do. Exactly. Whoever, ITV, make it happen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but in February this year, Jake released the lead single, Meltdown, from an yet-to-be-released new record. And it's Jake back on proper 70s disco form, isn't it? It's got... Like, we, I think, because he's taking time before this second album now yeah. as a solo artist, and I'm really excited for it i think it's it's gonna be banging it's, it's gonna be great it sounds just like sylvester the first single the it sounds like mighty real mm. and it's then he's also teased another kylie reunion which will oh. be obviously epic oh so i think we've got plenty more jake shears to look forward to in a post panny d panny d world which is lovely because we so rarely get to end an episode on a on a subject on a diva yeah in which we get to say that. And we should say, yeah. you know what? There's going to be a lot more to look forward to. Yeah. Oh, quite often there's just a, and then they did this and they slowly slipped out of this limelight yeah. or sometimes they died. Yeah. Um, whereas with him, it's just like, I think this is when we're about, you know, maybe halfway, maybe three quarters of the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's going to be another another peak. 
Another episode, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I know we've been, I know I've been a little critical of him at some points, but like, what an icon. What and just, an icon. Like, so amazing and such a game changer. Yeah. And I, I have so much love for him and just r- real life changing for, for me and several other yeah. uh, people out there, just in terms of the way they view themselves and the world and Absolutely. the stuff we go on to create. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Imagine a, a, a musical landscape without without sisters. Imagine being able to say the name of the band. Yeah, <laughs> that was that. The, that was the thing that that, that really got them was yeah. that people would be like, "Oh, look, this is this." <laughs> if they just called themselves, I don't know, triage twins or something, teas are easier. <laughs> I didn't have time to think what it would be. <laughs> I think today that's why they had to run <laughs> I think based on that though hopefully the listeners over the last three parts will know because we never really talked about it at the beginning but why we chose Shakespeare's which might yeah. be a, I can't even say <laughs> can't even say his name now um, as a as a diva subject we never sort of really went into that but hopefully over the last three episodes we've sort of given an idea why yeah why he's a diva oh I cannot believe that that's us up to date with Jake Shears. I cannot Thank believe it. Thank you so it. much for having me. Thank you. Two you two have brought so much life and joy to oh. my life and several other listeners during, both before this Panny D and during. Uh, so thank you for having me oh. and well done on all the amazing stuff you're doing. You should oh. be so chuffed. Babe, thank you so, so much. You. Thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. Yeah. So much of your time. <laughs> uh, so sh- where shall I send my invoice? <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode of Beef. <laughs> well, uh, it depends if you're available for the re-record, because I don't think we were recording that last episode. Oh my God. <laughs> I can imagine. Don't oh, even. Don't, don't even. Don't we even. had some real gems here. Oh, my God. We really did as well. We, we, we invented a whole new character for Elton John. I know. Just don't, don't I even can't say it. wait for Michael Caine to play <laughs> Elton John in the next Elton biopic, which you know he's working on. Oh, yeah, oh 100% God. the sequel. I fucking love Rocket Man. I love Rocket Man. Yeah. Welcome to Shiny. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to Rocket Man. <laughs> Rocket Man 2. My, My life by Red Twice. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Me again by Wrench Twice. That's going to be the next book. It's so going to be the next book. Me again by Wrench Twice. Ah! Oh, which brings us to plugs and hugs, my darling. Where can people find you? Uh, at Will underscore underscore Jackson underscore underscore on Twitter or Instagram uh, or uh, queuing for uh, Sainsbury's at the moment. Should have done my Christmas shopping earlier. Um, uh, and uh, you can't really see any of my work, but check out Your Sincerely and uh, Fashion Spies when they're touring next year. And just read Tales of the City and listen yes. to the Sins Sisters. My God, they're good. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Thank you so much, darling. Thank you. Oh, my God. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Diva Energy. If you did and you want to reach out and have a chat, share your BDE stories with us, maybe even your own Jake Shears-related stories, or just tell us which diva means the most to you, or welcome us to Showbiz. You can tweet us at Diva Energy or email us at BigDivaEnergyPod at gmail.com. This podcast is a Dark Mutters production. If you found a whole new way to love us, then don't forget to like and subscribe. Alternatively, if you thought we were rushed, shambolic and muppety, Get, Get in, in the, the sea. sea! Bye! Bye! Goodbye, Shabbos. <laughs>